0: Radio. Conversations with Daniel Noor. Tackling the tough questions on cradio.org.au. Hello Cradio listeners, my name is Daniel Noor and when I entered the Catholic Church on September the 21st, 2013 I brought all of my confusion, anxiety and uncertainty right in with me. As a young journalist searching for the truth, I'll be interviewing an expert on a hot topic and trying to get straight answers on the moral, political or social issues of the day. I invite you to join me and have your questions about today's tough topics answered as well. This is Conversations with Daniel Noor. Today, our topic is environmental care. I'm joined by Jackie Ramond. Jackie is the Director of Catholic Earth Care Australia, the Australian Delegate of the Global Catholic Climate Movement. And she last month joined Pope Francis at the Vatican to discuss Catholic strategies for better environmental care. The meeting was especially timely because of the Pope's upcoming encyclical, Laudato C, si, Praise Be, on the care of the common home, which centres on themes of the environment and climate change. Jackie, thank you so much for joining
1: us today. Thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be here.
0: Extremely cold morning in Sydney, so even just walking into the office was a challenge. <laughs> Um
1: it's great it, to be here thanks Daniel.
0: We really appreciate your presence with us and we'd really love to know what was it like to meet the Pope last month.
1: It was incredibly exciting as you might imagine. Mm. His energy is clearly one of great joy and delight. Um he he's he's such a humorous person as well. You know, we mm. were so impressed that after meeting all the people that he does, he was happy to have some time to hear about the work of the Global Catholic Climate Movement and to endorse the petition on climate change Mm. that we're aiming to have a million Catholics sign. And he made a a joke with us saying that we were beating him to his encyclical release, which we thought was just hilarious. So we had a good laugh together. So he's a wonderful human being Mm. and I feel incredibly grateful and thankful for the work he's doing to care for creation at this time. Mm. Jackie, of course,
0: this is uh, just one part of, I suppose, your personal journey. Uh, You have had some experience in just kind of the uh, Catholic environmental care sphere. Could you tell us a little bit just about how you got where you are today? And I know you've also met Al Gore.
1: Sure. Um, Yes, I guess my desire to care for creation started as a a young person when my family travelled around Australia for 18 months. That opened my heart to the beauty of our country and it set off a whole lot of questions for me to come and understand them through science and so i studied science i studied psychology and i studied education and uh, with that passion that took me to places like the kimberley where i worked for many years and um, that then led to me being in dialogue with our faith leaders in some ways around this work at the time in 2002 when the Catholic bishops established Catholic Earth Care Australia through a Social Justice Sunday Statement, uh, which is a similar title to the encyclical, mm. uh, we uh, knew that we were embarking on something incredibly relevant for our time mm. in response to Pope John Paul II's call for an ecological conversion. And it has strengthened my faith in ways that I would, Never have guessed. It Mm. is just such a wonderful gift to do what you love, and and my passion is clearly about caring for creation, which includes all humanity, of course. And I think that's the uniqueness of our faith, bringing those two together, and that's what I expect Pope Francis will will be encouraging us to do.
0: You mentioned that there was a need to care for all of humanity. So, then what is Catholic Earth Care, both as an organisation? To whom you were and as an idea and is it in any way different maybe to other kind of more general notions of environmental care
1: it is different because uh we come out of this uh desire to love our our creator always and and to please our creator with the way we live on earth and so that means that coming from a space of love we honor the gifts of creation which include humanity so It's both and, Mm. rather than just being about caring for the planet or the environment, it's creation in its holistic sense. Mm. And I think that's a different worldview to what most people in the church hold as well, because at this time, and the, the story we've all grown up with, it's been very much focused on the human. So the anthropocentric viewpoint is one that we need to seriously and quickly expand at this time Mm. because we're going down a path where we're just focused on caring for humanity. And of course, we need to do that. Poverty is a very real issue. We must deal with that. Um, And in Australia, we have a particular responsibility in terms of our overdeveloped state to Mm. respond and, and to care. Uh, But I think now what Pope Francis is highlighting for us, which goes right back to St. Francis's work and, and so many others like Hildegard of Bingen, that we can't afford to just focus on humanity and care for humanity and be undermining the gifts of creation which supports humanity. We actually need to care for the planet at the same time as caring for our our livelihoods and one another and future generations. Mm. So that means we've got to do business differently. It, it's a big orientation to shift mm. to. Mm. Um, and our agency is there to enable that shift. So we do a lot of work in formation. Clearly, we do a lot of work with the schools and the Catholic education offices. Uh, but it's with everybody because as human beings, as leaders in the field of our respective church agencies, and even into the the goodwill of every church and every faith community and and the not-for-profit sector, we've been working deliberately to enable change in the hearts of humankind, Mm. in the mindset, so that we understand more closely how we're having an impact on the earth and how it's being disregarded and how voiceless it is to the degradation that's going on.
0: And also, it seems to me that many people want to take the voice away from those who would defend the needs of uh, a a really deliberate approach to uh, environmental care. We know that carbon emissions are a very real force in the, I suppose, raising of uh, the global temperature and the effect that that has. You mentioned that the poor often suffer more because of uh, climate change, and yet there is this great opposition to climate science I happen to feel it every day um, even among Catholic friends you know why is that
1: I think it's because our system has been so set up to enable energy in a way that is convenient that's cheap uh, relatively speaking and that we're so used to and I think there's this whole thing about Change that we're quite confronted as human beings. We don't want and welcome change quite often. But if you think back to the hole in the ozone layer back in the 80s when this was being grappled with globally, um, the the pressure from industry wasn't as great because the refrigerants, those who were creating the, um, the issues for the hole in the ozone layer, the CFCs that were in our pressurised aerosols and things like that, um, It was really not such a high pressure. There weren't weren't as many stakes in the game, if you like. And it was easy enough through negotiation for the legislation to be changed. Mm. So refrigerants and coolants had to shift. Whereas when you're looking at climate change, carbon is only 3% of our atmosphere. It's not a large amount, but it's an incredibly powerful um, atom Mm. that holds a lot of energy. And that's a wonderful gift. But the problem is we are producing greenhouse gases through burning fossil fuels we're constantly pumping it into the atmosphere and we've been doing so at a great rate in a very short period of time so it quickly starts to destabilize and shift the equilibrium in the atmosphere that protects us like the goldilocks planet that it should Mm. that god has amazingly designed for us to live in this great biosphere that's protected and stable given the enormity and the incredible nature of the whole universe. So mm. so we need to now at this time respond to what the science is telling us and the science is very very clear um, and the science is telling us that we can't keep putting carbon and other greenhouse gases into the atmosphere and expect to have a safe and stable climate in the future, Mm. let alone now. I mean, we're we're already seeing the impacts of climate change everywhere. Look at Cyclone Pam in Vanuatu. Look at places like Bangladesh that are flooding and sea levels rising, Mm. even in the Torres Strait Islands in Australia. Um, It's really clear to us. It's really clear to Pope Francis when he um, recently visited the Philippines and uh, went to visit the the victims of... um, Uh, the typhoon there in Tacloban and spoke with them because he recognises that the thousands of people who died in that incident and the increasing intensity of these issues is not going away and we need to stand in solidarity with the poor of humanity and also the poor of the earth Mm. and that means we're up against some pretty big forces here I mean we're looking at you know the whole sort of fossil fuel industry which is big mining um, multinational organisations who've got great vested interests in keeping the mining going. They want to keep extracting the fossil fuels um, and they want to keep that business alive. And they're not a small sector by any means and they've got a lot of money um, and they can exercise power in ways that, you know, the small community minded kind of people mm. don't often ever get the chance to, to really meet with them and speak with them and tell them what's What's of their concern? So the church has a distinct role to play here, Mm. which is political, which is about the social, which is about the environment, which is about the economics. And I think we'll hear about all of that in the encyclical. Is
0: there a relationship between the poor and their suffering and the, as you mentioned, uh, effects of uh, change in global climates? And could you demonstrate that for us?
1: Sure, yes. Look, the Through the research that's been going on for some time through the international governmental panels on climate change the indicators show that places like Vanuatu have the highest indexes of being the most vulnerable Mm. communities on the earth because of where they are and the increasing intensity of cyclones and um, extreme weather events so they're very very susceptible they're on very low lying islands and um, Places like that mean, you know, how are we going to respond from a spiritual space yeah. as well as from a practical sense of the economic materialist support space mm-hmm. to to our brothers and sisters in the Pacific, in the, in our neighbouring countries. And I think we have a very clear teaching from the life of Jesus and from our Gospels today to see that We are called to be the Good Samaritan. We are called not to go past and dismiss those that are suffering and and hurting and poor um, at this time or at any time. And right now, I think that challenges us in a way that we haven't been challenged Mm. as a global community before. So I'm excited by what Pope Francis is saying about the need to connect more deeply with the poor and the poor being, as I've said before, not just the human poor, but the earth itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, we live on this planet with thousands of other species, yet I think very seldom are they thought about and considered. And we've been slowly, quietly, sometimes more more blazingly, nudging them out of their habitats, nudging them out of um, spaces mm-hmm. where they can raise their their young. And I think we need to think more about Uh, the fellow species that God's created who have a right to be here and who have something to offer.
0: Jackie, I feel like the vast majority of listeners agree Mm. that it's very important uh, needless to say, to care for the defenceless be it uh, a poorer individual or rural communities even in our own country Mm. and uh, the the poor all over the world, not to mention animals I think we do feel powerless though and we feel like it's such a um, high ask and And as you said, that there is such a vested interest for those who are making uh, money out of, uh, I suppose, industries, if you like, or systems that seem to allow us to forget, or that are convenient. So I wonder what can we do, um, and are there some practical steps that we can take? And and can you speak also to this sense of powerlessness that we so often feel?
1: Absolutely. I think it's a very... Um, isolating space sometimes when we feel that deep in our hearts and we sense that things are not right in the way we're treating the earth and and its inhabitants. And so uh, what we're called to do is something quite radically different. And Catholic Earth Care is here as an agency in Australia, but there are similar um, organisations through the different bishops' conferences and different religious orders around the globe that are here to help And what we try and do is bring people together to be in conversation. That's so important that we're sharing what we feel so deeply and sadly about. There's a sense of grief in this, uh, but also a sense of great joy in the gifts of creation that are constantly being given to us and offered to us through God in every moment. Mm. And so conversation is really important, That dialogue uh, with our brothers and sisters so that we can come to understand more deeply What it means to be a human being on this planet how are we called to live out this vocation of love for god and creation and that that has a lot in it that we can all unpack for ourselves and each other and so we're called to be disciples companions on the journey through that we're also in a position where with the encyclical coming and the work through the global catholic climate movement and catholic earth care there are some practical steps we can take that help to move us from feeling disempowered to being empowered. We can simply sign a petition which helps put, put the Catholic voices towards this story. So we're trying to raise a, thousand, sorry, a million Catholic voices towards the rally that's taking place around mm-hmm. the globe to contribute to the COP21 negotiations in Paris in December. That's a simple step we can all take to do it online.
0: cop is the next kind of environmental conference. That's to take right. Place. What
1: was the conference last... Conference of parties.
0: Conference of parties. What was
1: was in, in Lima, Peru, COP20. Okay. OK. And um, this one in Paris is considered to be a pretty significant one because of the time zone that's decreasing in terms of the buffer that we've got to mm. respond to climate change. And the fact that um, the science is getting stronger and stronger and the worst-case scenarios are actually starting to be more and more in our reality around the globe. So um, there's a lot of pressure that's Mm. building and I think Pope Francis is playing into that by saying we're going to come out with his encyclical in the next few weeks Mm. and that encyclical is timed to be before his meeting with the UN in the US in September and before this COP21 meeting. So besides signing the petition and taking that kind of online step Uh, through our website um, or through the Global Catholic Climate Movement website. If you're outside of Australia, feel free to do that. Mm. Uh, You can also do practical things at home. You can stop perhaps eating meat on Fridays, which is a part of our tradition, and we've got a campaign called Meatless Fridays, Mm. and we're going to encourage Catholics everywhere to do that by taking that practical step to not be uh, relying on meat on Fridays, which means it reduces our... um, carbon emissions, our fossil fuel use through that whole meat industry and also the methane that's produced Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So reducing our consumption is a big part of this call and it's a big part of the um, charism of St. Francis that Pope Francis has adopted. And I think living simply is something we can all further refine so i'd encourage everybody to find ways to live more simply and that means transport the way that we're getting around it means when we shop what are we buying where are the goods from how informed are we about the things we're purchasing in terms of our clothing and all sorts of things so so you know understanding where things are coming from and how we we relate to them people can also get involved in a very exciting initiative at the moment called the People's Pilgrimage Mm -hmm. Um, the Climate Commissioner from the Philippines is now working with a group called Our Voices which is a global interfaith movement that's um, contributing to the COP21 agreement as well so that faith voices are heard there too and the People's Pilgrimage has already begun it started a couple of weeks ago in the Philippines at Tacloban and it's coming to Australia after visiting Vanuatu. Yeah. And uh, Yeb Sarno, the, the climate commissioner who's leading it, will be here in Sydney for a couple of days before going up to the Great Barrier Reef to highlight the plight of that space and how vulnerable it is to climate change impacts.
0: Jackie, I uh, I feel like what you're saying is that our duty to the environment is fundamentally a spiritual one. However, it would also seem to me that lots of the militants, and I, and I use that word deliberately, anti-climate suppose, climate change movements do often seem to present a kind of apocalyptic vision of things, and, and that meat-eating, for example, is, is a sin, it's a crime. And we have seen that kind of language, you know, kind of a, a really aggressive militant kind of view of things, phrases like humans are the disease, humans are the problem with the world, and uh, it's I think, has something to do, this is possibly just a theory, but with the great kind of popularity of apocalyptic films and end-of-the-world disasters, this sense that we've done irreparable damage and things are coming to an end. Um, Do you feel like, and this is just something I feel the need to ask, that that vision, that awful end times, things are things-are-beyond-our-control vision is perhaps colouring people's view of things and making it difficult to engage with them, to engage with them in a way that makes it perhaps more realistic, more manageable. There are climate deptics out there. I wonder if that's because they have gotten wind of some almost science fiction-like fear that the world is ending.
1: I think there's a lot of extreme views mm. um, but it's by no mean um, the majority for me. I think for for example there can be within the belief system of a tradition a sense that God's power and control over creation is so strong that we could never possibly impact in a way that's going to be what shouldn't happen mm. so a sense of this is all meant to be yeah. you know let climate change is part of the end times that's coming. Yeah. Now, some people may hold that view, and I, I'm certainly aware of that. Um, in our faith tradition, we hold a view that's somewhat different from that because um, the doomsaying perspective that you've highlighted as well from the environment movement, particularly in the past decades, about the need for um, us to respond because it's just gone too far and, and it's it's lost in terms of hope... We have a role here that is different from that, and it is about holding hope, and it is about inviting people to be hopeful on this journey. That's what the joy of the gospel is in so many ways, and we see that message from God every day. So it's balanced for me always, you know. As much as there are tragic and and awful stories that we see on the news and that we know are happening in people's lives, that is not the only perspective there is certainly a whole lot of positive work and joy and and regeneration that's taking place and people are invited to be part of that journey as well so so it's complex there, there there's never going to be um the black and white <coughs> story in the catholic wisdom tradition for me it is about the mystery of god it is about using um our intelligence to best interpret the scripture, to best understand our relationship with all beings and work out what we do. Yeah. Um, and I think that is refreshing for even people in the environment movement who often have come to do that work because they're very passionate about social justice and often they've been raised and, and you know brought up in a Catholic school um, with a strong sense of what's right and how to orient their lives to that it's refreshing often for people to know that there's a sense of place, of faith in all of this. Mm. And that's where the hope comes from. Mm. Um, If we just look at scientific reports, we will get completely depressed. There's Mm. no doubt. They're very, very sobering. But we know that science isn't our own lens, our only lens. Um, And that's why our tradition and our prayer um, our contemplation is really, really important. We're holding a prayer vigil in a couple of weeks' time when Yeb is here with faith leaders at the Botanic Gardens. And I think those kinds of experiences are what helps lift all our spirits. We can acknowledge the reality, um, seek to understand the truth, and go forward together and not be um, too disheartened Mm. and and disenfranchised and immobilised by the fear that this message can bring
0: Yeah, and Jackie on that positive note uh, I think we should say you know that there is hope and in any case that we thank you so much for informing us enlightening us and giving us a sense of the Catholic response to this monolithic issue thank you for joining us thank
1: you Daniel it's been a pleasure
0: and thank you listeners you've been listening to conversations with Daniel Noor Plenty of other great podcasts for your enjoyment right here on Cradio. You've been listening to an episode of Conversations with Daniel Noor. And for more episodes of Conversations, and for more talks,
1: interviews and shows, visit cradio.org.au